Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is John Waters, and you're listening to Building Three Pillars. All right, so if you caught last week's episode of our Motivation Monday series, you noticed that there was an interview that I did in place of me going and speaking to you all. I hope you guys really enjoyed that because this week is going to be somewhat similar. Uh, This is going to be an interview that I did last November with Jeff Vitale, an extremely awesome physical therapist. All right. This guy has so much information and I did my best to dig out as many gems as I could in the time we had. All right. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. If you've been sitting around, you know, trying to figure out how you can get that tightness out of your back in between breaks while you're doing your Zoom conferences, you're going to love this. All right. So please drop down in the comments and let me know what you think. And if you decide that you like this so much that you want to watch the video, I got you covered. I included a link to the video in the description. All right, so I hope you guys have an awesome week. And as always, keep pushing. Your greatness awaits. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of our Thursday edition Q&A. We'll give it a couple seconds to let people get tuned in. Um, however, my name is John Waters, representing Three Pillars Fitness, and today's show is for you. Um, we have a very special guest coming on. As if you've been watching me at all this week, and if you've seen my uh, story or if you've seen my Facebook page, I've been talking about this guy. I've been extremely excited about this opportunity. Um, Jeff Vitale, he just gave me the update on how I say his name correctly, so I didn't butcher it. And I'm not going to do too much talking. I'm going to bring him on and let him explain who he is and what he does. But you guys are in for a treat. Uh, thank you, John, right. for being um, I was really uh, excited that you asked me to come on. Yeah, pretty uh, you know, happy about that. Um, appreciate the opportunity. So just kind of getting to who I am. Again, my name is Jeff Vitale. I am a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for a little over 20 years, kind of been in the kind of fitness therapy realm for about 25 years. Uh, I went to school in Brooklyn, Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn. And um, just kind of give like a, a, a deeper background. I um, <clears throat> out of school, I got the, what's called the I got a scholarship from a rehab hospital in White Plains, which is at the time was one of the top rehab hospitals in the country. Some people say in the world, but I was fortunate enough to, to get uh, their scholarship, which they offer two every year. And they get about, you know, between four and 700 uh, applicants. So awesome. that kind of set me on my journey because um, I, I felt like, you know, I didn't want to kind of squander that opportunity. And uh, so I stayed at Burke for a while and I worked on the uh, first on the cardiac unit, then pulmonary amputee, traumatic brain injury, stroke and orthopedic. So I have this varied background and have these amazing supervisors and instructors kind of along the way. And that shaped kind of what I eventually um decided to specialize in, which was orthopedics, <clears throat> but I pulled from all those backgrounds. So then after leaving there, I uh, joined up with a, a doctor and a practice in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
and worked there for about 15 years. And we specialized in working with professional athletes, Hollywood personalities, uh, what we call like high high net worth individuals and just kind of like high performance individuals. So I had, you know, opportunities to work, like I said, with some celebrity personalities, uh, some professional athletes. Uh, then in November of 2018, I left there and started my own practice at, uh, called Vitality Therapy and Training or VT2. And, uh, so I'm located in Port Chester now. And I am a, got certified as a uh, board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist in the area of physical therapy to really kind of, you know, try to bring a little bit more to the table when I'm working with my clients. And I've been fortunate enough now that my own, I've been continuing to work with that high-performance patient and, and individuals. So I've been working recently with a lot of uh, Division One football players, Division One baseball players, uh, soon to be, you know, top ten major league draft picks, and a couple of guys that hopefully be going into the NFL. Um, so I, I've been really fortunate enough to have built up a reputation where I'm starting to get sought out by people who want to have the opportunity to really improve their performance and get noticed on a bigger stage and kind of a national and global stage. Wow. Man, that's impressive, dude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Cool. cool. It's just, it's something that evolved. I didn't think that this was how it would happen. I was really, when I first got out of school and got that scholarship to work at a rehab hospital, I was hoping, you know, I was thinking that's the be all end all. I was going to work at this, you know, kind of, famous rehab hospital working with, you know, traumatic brain injury or spinal cord injury patients. And that's really what I thought my path was, but then mm -hmm. got hooked on the performance. And it's basically, I think it's from my background. I competed in track and field in college. I got recruited to play a little bit of basketball in college, but, you know, went the track and field uh, aspect and was a decathlete. And uh, so the orthopedics just really kind of like, that was something that was my passion and I turned that into my profession. And so I really don't feel like I work a day, you know, in my life. I just, it's just an extension of what I do and who I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a blessing. You're able to find something that fit you so well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. I, I, people ask me, what made you decide? I'm like, I think my life just pushed me in that direction. Dig it, dig it. Was there ever any point here, let's say in the beginning where you weren't really sure what you were going to be doing and you were kind of just in the middle? Um, yeah, well, actually, I was working as a uh, as an aide. I hadn't gone to physical therapy school yet, but I was working, um, trying to get my volunteer hours and my work hours to be able to apply to school. And mm -hmm. that first year that I was applying, my father had passed away. And I had applied to schools, but I just was just not in the right frame of mind and just basically applied to two schools. And it was just kind of like haphazardly. And I didn't get in the first time I got rejected the first time to the first round of schools, which they only had applied to two. And I thought, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is not what I was, you know, should be doing or meant to be doing. But, um, my dad was, uh, was an athlete, you know, growing up. And, um, so I kind of like, 
I was like, if this is not what I'm going to do, I'm not sure what I'll do, but I was really passionate about art. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll go into some art. Um, but I felt like I should still give it another shot. You know, my mother encouraged me to, to uh, apply. And I uh, wound up getting into all the schools that I applied after that, because I was in that frame of mind that like, all right, this is really what I want to do. And once I made my mind up that this is absolutely what I wanted to do, I was able to pour myself into it more. Um, but that was the only time that I really doubted it, you know, and that, you know, being rejected, you know, at first, just as like, yeah, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. These people who are in the profession are telling me I don't have what it takes, but mm. yeah. Well, here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, um, I was really excited to bring you on because I know that here recently, a lot of us, well, all of us right now are going through this pandemic and I know that a lot of us are, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, are fortunate enough to be able to work from home. And I know that that comes with a certain amount of sedentary lifestyle being kind of enforced on us. And I can only imagine for the person who's used to being up and on the go, what kind of things they're going through mentally, but also physically. And so I really just wanted to get your viewpoint to start off with. What can people do to, you know, potentially alleviate uh, back pain from sitting around all day? Or maybe they have adopted some uh, irregular training habits and they haven't really given their bodies the opportunity to actually adjust to a jet. Because maybe they're feeling some uncertainty or some uh, stiffness or some things like that. Right. So, you know, you're exactly right that there's, you know, back pain is one of the most prevalent um, issues in, in, in the healthcare industry, you know, more people have back pain than almost any other condition out there. And it's just so common, but it's also underreported because people feel like, uh, it's just how it is. And that's, you know, it's how it's always going to be. I have some back pain. I've always had it, you know, that's just, you know, you know, how it's going to be. But especially now that we're all, like you said, you're working from home. A lot of people are finding themselves not sitting in a great, uh, workstation setup that they might've had at the office. I have a lot of clients that come and say, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on my bed, I'm sitting on a couch and my back is killing me because the, you know, the chairs are not supported. What I'm sitting is not supported. But, um, so one of the biggest things that I would say is, is, you know, if you can try to get your workstation or try to get the chair that you're sitting on to be nice and supportive, you don't need a fancy chair, just something with a, a nice stable, firm, um, firm platform to sit on. Um, but with sitting, what we can find in the body, what happens is a lot is your hip flexors get very tight, obviously, because um, we're in that sitting position, the hips are in that flex position. So the front of the hips can get very tight. And as we stay in a position for an extended period of time, our bodies tend to try to become energy efficient. So we start to slouch and kind of sink in on ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're meant to be, we're kind of like a machine. The body's like a machine we're meant to more be energy uh, mechanically efficient than energy efficient, but we all kind of strive to be energy efficient, you know, try to sit there as long as you can without moving. So what happens is your body tends to just sink in and hang in, hang out on your skeleton and on your structure. And, but we're not using our muscles that much. So structures get overstretched on one side of the body, whether it's the front, the back, the sides, and then other structures will get overly tight. So we get these imbalances. So mm. the first thing that I would, you know, tell people, if you're having some back pain, find yourself sitting a lot, or just even just back pain in general, stretching is a great way to, to counteract that. And it doesn't have to be a, a big stretching routine, a big stretching program, 
But if you can identify some of the areas that typically get tight when you're sitting that contribute mm -hmm. to, to back pain, you can then be a little bit more proactive. So stretching your hip flexors, stretching your the front of your body, your chest, your shoulders um, are big keys. And you could just be sitting in your chair and just kind of drop one leg back off the side and stretch mm -hmm. the front of your hip, stretch the other side. Um, and again, like we talked about, sitting in one position for very long, staying in one position for a very long time leads to kind of muscular imbalances or, or overusing one set of muscle groups versus another. So I think a great strategy for um, back pain is to try to change positions relatively frequently. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, a big, like you don't have to go for, if you don't have a standing desk, go from standing to sitting and, uh, or I should say from sitting to standing and have a standing desk. But if you, every 15 minutes or so, if you could just stand up, just walk around for 30 seconds and then sit back down, just so you engage the muscles around your hip, around your trunk. And that'll just get some blood flow going in your low back through your hips. It'll loosen things up a bit and just changing those positions around. Um, if you do have the ability to have a standing desk or if you can rig something up where you can stand and move around, that'll also definitely be helpful for back pain. Um, and one of the things that I always found very interesting that I had learned uh, was that they've done studies to look at the forces that go through your lumbar spine, mm -hmm. your low back, especially like right by the pelvis, L4, 5, S1. When you're sitting, you have more force going through your spine than you are when you're standing. You know, so sitting is really very hard on your back. You would think, you know, it's, you're just in one position, you're not doing much, but it's, um, it's actually creates a lot of tension on your low back, on your discs, on the structures around your spine, the ligaments, the soft tissue. So, you know, it's hard to, in the environment that we're in, to not sit, but if you can just change your position every once in a while, that goes a long way to helping back pain. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then on the on the other side of it, you know, if you can strengthen your body, mm -hmm. strengthen your core, and my kind of version or my definition of core is basically from your belly button to mid thigh. 360 degrees all the way around. That's kind of like the true core of your body. So if you can work on exercises to strengthen those muscles, so your lower abs, your rectus, the obliques as well, your hips, quads, glutes, hamstrings, low back, if you strengthen those muscles, your body is just inherently much more durable and you can handle a lot more stresses without it uh, negatively impacting your body. So, you know, different variations of ab work, different variations of bridges, um, hip thrusters, squats, you know, even like the, you know, just laying on your side, doing some leg lifts for your hips and doing back extensions, just anything to really address the muscles all around your, your core. Right. Yeah. Awesome. That was a well-rounded answer. Okay. Um, we actually have a uh, comment. Let's yes. see what we have. All right. It says, I have a ruptured disc in my lower back. Happened about six years ago. I'm 47. What exercises or activity will help to regain flexibility in that area? Thanks. All right. So for 
if anybody has a back issue, kind of almost irregardless of what it is. But um, I also kind of personally can identify with this uh, this question because in college, while I was an athlete uh, and during track, I ruptured herniated two discs in my back and had you know wound up having to have back surgery because of a lot of uh, um, you know I was losing strength because of so much compression on my nerve. Um, but so one of the biggest things that you want to do is if you've got back pain, like I was saying, irregardless of, of the nature or the cause of it very often, your hips are very tied into your back. So if most back injuries in the absence of a, a trauma, like a car accident or something like that can be kind of, you know, you can lead it back to tightness in your hips or inflexibility in your hips. So when we move, whether it's rotation um, to either side, flexion, extension, we should be moving from our hips. Spine basically stays stable. And once we meet the end range of motion on our hips, say we're rotating like a golfer or you're doing a swing or you're throwing something. Once mm-hmm. you get to the end range of, of your hip mobility, then your spine takes over to fine tune it. You've got large joints and muscles around your hips, but you've got really small, a lot of small muscles and small joints around your spine. So if you don't have the flexibility in your hips, you're going to overuse your spine. You're going to um, cause a lot of breakdown in those muscles and those structures around there. And that leads to back pain. That leads to your disc slowly starting to deteriorate starting to break through the, the disc material, breaking through the fibers of the, uh, of the disc and herniating and, and rupturing. So the biggest thing is getting that hip flexibility back or getting as much hip flexibility as you can. And in terms of hip, hip flexibility, you want to work on rotational movements, internal, external rotation, as well as flexion and extension. So as well as your leg coming forward and back, you want to work on rotation. And rotation almost is more important because if you can get that rotational mobility back, all the other motions are going to improve as well. So... Um, exercises that I really like for that are like the 90-90 stretch, which is like, um, so you're sitting on the ground, you have one leg in front of you, your leg bent to the side. You can, you know, YouTube a lot of these, or Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, if they are working with you, you can, you know, definitely show them these exercises. And on my Instagram page, I have a lot of these different um, mobility movements as well. But a 90-90 stretch, you're going to be working on simultaneously working on internal rotation of one leg and external rotation on the other leg. And then you can rotate and uh, switch it so that you're working on internal on the other leg and external on the opposite leg. And that stretch I really like because it encourages um, the mobility and, well, Let's just say you're working on stretching the muscles and stretching the ligaments around your hip. So you're going to actually improve joint motion, not only flexible muscles. So that goes a long way in reducing the stress and the strain that goes on your low back. Other stretches like a frog stretch or the goalie stretch, which is basically like, you know, on all fours. And then you do a split with your knees. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, just to uh, try to get that mobility in the end range of hip 
uh, hip motion. So again, so that you can move when you're moving throughout the day, whether it's walking, running, jumping, working out, you can move from those large joints in your body efficiently and take stress off of the smaller joints in your body. So if there's one thing that I would say for anybody with back pain, it's really work on hip mobility and hip flexibility. Um, and flexibility and mobility are different. You know, if you're just flexible and you can stretch and get into these great range of motion, but you don't have the strength to utilize that range of motion, then it's not really useful to you. And right. you're going to access it when you're doing an activity. So you want to learn to do stretches like moving into a stretch and using those same muscles to come out of a stretch, which is that dynamic warm up or that dynamic mobility concept versus just static stretching. Um, so that would be like the one big thing that I would say. And I make sure that whoever I work with, no matter what their diagnosis is or what their performance and athletic goals are, the hips are an area that I really kind of harp on and focus on because that's going to lead to just better performance as a human being and as an athlete. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's very vital in everything we do for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah. And you always hear, you know, the hips, the key, unlock your hips, you can unlock performance. You know, at baseball, you know, when you see a batter swing, you always say, oh, he's getting his hips around good. Golf, the same thing. When you see a quarterback throw a football, you know, is he throwing off his back leg? If he's throwing off his back leg, he's not rotating his hips. So, you know, pitchers, the same thing. So having that, that mobility around your hips, um, is a, like I said, just kind of going back, it's, it's really key for your back. Um, the other thing I would do is just also work on your squat, not necessarily like a weighted squat, but your ability to get down into a, in a squat position with your feet flat on the floor and being able to hold that. You know, if you can get down into a nice, like what they call like a latrine squat or an Asian squat where you're down in that deep squat position. If some of you guys are CrossFitters and you've ever heard of Kelly Starrett, who is like a PT for all those CrossFit, he's big on, you know, getting down into that squat position. But if you can get into a, a deep squat and be able to hold that position with your feet flat and not fall over or not have to hold on to anything, then that kind of indicates that you've got not necessarily good strength, but you have good flexibility and a good balance of motion and flexibility around all the joints of your lower extremities. Awesome. Which when you have that mobility, that takes a lot of pressure off of your low back. So that kind of leads me into my next question for you, actually. Yes. So overall, how important or not even how important, how, uh, how often do you find that poor form or one set of muscles being overworked or underworked plays in a, a big role into someone having these kind of injuries or discomforts? Yeah, I mean that's 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 basically the reason why most people have these this discomfort or injuries is because you have overactive muscles in one group of your body and underactive muscles in another uh, area of the body. And they're usually kind of the reciprocal muscles. You know, if you think of like your arm and your bicep, if I flex my bicep, my triceps have to relax. That's what allows me to move. But if I'm trying to engage my triceps and I have an overactive bicep, I'm not going to get the work. I'm not going to get the action out of my triceps. So going back to like the example of back pain, if your hip flexors in the front of your body are very tight, 
they're going to be shortened and the muscles in your low back are going to be stretched out and they're going to be underactive. So your body has no choice but to knot them up. So you'll be tight and short in the front, but you'll be lengthened and knotted in the back. And so a knotted muscle is an underactive muscle. Your body basically says the muscle so stretched out that it can't exert any force or control. So the only way your nervous system can exert any control is to tighten up certain parts of it so that it doesn't continue to stretch out further. Um, so having underdeveloped or underactive muscles in one area and overactive is going to lead to joint breakdown of the, the joint around those muscles. It's going to lead to poor form when you're trying to execute a movement in the gym. Um, so you're going to start to, which usually leads to furthering that gap. You're going to continue to overdevelop those overdeveloped muscles and and those you know underdeveloped muscles are going to get weaker. So it's really important to, if you're working with someone like yourself who has been educated and has that discriminating eye to look at somebody and kind of see their imbalances, you know, having somebody look at you and see where those are and then helping you to address those imbalances is, is invaluable. So it's, um, you know, if somebody's struggling with those issues, I definitely encourage them to try to find somebody who is kind of an expert like John to, um, to take a look at you and look at your form and help you. You might need to step back from your bench and do some more back or smaller movements. And you'll start to realize that that will actually improve your bench. You know, when you start to work on the other areas, um, I just pulled bench as an example because it's something that a lot of people like to go to the gym and do, and they do a lot of bench, but they don't mm-hmm. press shoulder stability or true real back work. And you can only access your pushing power if you've got the stability in the back. So it's so vital to have that, that balance around a joint to keep the joint centered and in position and have a good joint congruency. So you're getting good movement and you also have the opposing muscles being able to control and, um, you know, prevent you from going too far out of uh, a normal range of motion. That's going to cause you to have, you know, overuse injuries or, or get, you know, dislocated joint necessarily. Awesome. So I don't know if that really answered it in the way you were looking oh yeah it was definitely it was very detailed which kind of helps me go into the next question i have for you about knee problems and knee pains since yes. we've been talking about squats i know that a common thing people like to say is they don't squat because it hurts their knees what would you say to someone who says that to you so squatting if done properly should be one of the best things for your knees you know there are cases if someone just really has like there are you know have such bad arthritis where they don't have uh, cartilage anymore or their meniscus is just completely gone. In those instances, it's going to be tough. And maybe you just, you know, you're not looking for a deep squat, but you're just looking for a range of motion that you can work in, that you can engage your, the muscles, your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings. But um, I say for someone who is, you know, has knee pain, but otherwise they're, you know, healthy and they're not doing squats 
big thing that I would do is look at your your squat form. If you can get a mirror or have somebody uh, just record you squatting, you want to look to see if you're, are you sitting back too far or are you pushing yourself too far forward? Very often there's that you know, notion that we shouldn't be letting our knees go forward over our toes. So people tend to sit way back in their squats mm-hmm. and their body collapses. And so they're almost doing like a, a good morning. Their chest is now facing the floor instead of being upright. Um, you do want your, your lower leg, your shin to lean forward towards your toes. Shouldn't be excessive, but you do want to have a forward lean. So that's going to allow your joints to get into the optimal positions and not overstress the ligaments around your, your knee joint. Um, we're kind of getting kind of like a little too theoretical, but um, mm-hmm. basically what I would say to someone who's having knee pain is you can try to put like uh, a little block or um, like a 10 pound plate under each heel to lift your heels up. And that's going to allow you to keep your center of mass over your feet a little bit better. And you might be able to get a little bit deeper with less stress on your knees. So having your heel raised, that's why you see some lifters and Olympic lifters will use squat shoes with a little bit of wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people call that kind of like cheating or they don't think that that's, you know, you know, like you're, you're. I guess, trying to make up for a lack of mobility that you have. But I think that that can allow you to start to work into a deeper motion and then you can remove those as you get stronger. Um, the other thing that's really important for knee pain with squatting or any exercise is having really good, strong and con- uh, good control of your hamstrings. Your hamstrings really dictate, they're kind of like the rotator cuff of your, your, your knee. They control how far your knee is going to wander off its normal path. It controls a little rotation in your knee as you bend, because when you bend and squat your knee, your lower leg is going to rotate inward a little bit. And then as you stand, it's Mm going to rotate outward and your hamstrings help to control that. So if you don't have good control of your hamstrings, you're going to be too quad dominant. You're going to cause a lot of shearing in the knee joint. So very often individuals who have otherwise healthy knees, but pain when they're squatting, usually have too big of a disparity between their quad strength and their hamstring strength. And your quads usually are stronger. People say like a 60-40 in terms mm-hmm. of strength difference front to back. Um, some people it's that gap is e- even smaller, like 50-50. Um, but if you have a good balance and good control of your hamstrings, that's going to help you tremendously with your squat. Awesome. Assuming that you have the prerequisite range of motion in the hips and the ankles. And if you don't have those prerequisite motions in the hips and the ankles, then I recommend putting that little lift underneath your heels because that helps you to um, get into a better squat position without having those that range of motion. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And Absolutely. I would Deadlifting, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> deadlifting really helps your squat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because the stronger you are in your low back, your glutes, and your hamstrings, the mm-hmm. better you're going to be able to maintain a good upright position when you're squatting and not collapse forward, which is going to put a lot of stress 
on your low back and drive your more of your mass forward, which is going to cause that shearing force in the knees. Mm. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Right. And we've already kind of been talking about it, but not so much in the way that I'm about to ask you. Uh, let's talk about performance enhancement. If we could take a step back a little bit from the physical aspects and kind of yep. zone in a little bit more on the mental side of this, uh, what would be some of your words of encouragement or some of the things you've seen as far as helping people go to that next level? Uh, what things have you had to work through? Um, I think from the mental aspect, it's very easy to get frustrated if you're not seeing results. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just being consistent with your workouts, whatever it is. And I don't know if you'd necessarily say that falls under the mental aspect, but I think in my view it is because if you really have to have a good mindset to be very consistent at something, you have to be dedicated to what it is you're doing. Um, and you want to have this mindset that it's a long-term view you want to you want to be healthy long term you're not just looking to be healthy right now so what i'll tell some of my athletes that are getting kind of discouraged is that we you know we have these long term goals you have our short term goals within each workout that we're trying to hit the reps the sets and getting through the workout but if you're thinking long term you're going to you're going to start to chip away some of those smaller goals. And even if you're not hitting those goals, you know, in that workout that you're working at right now, if you stay with it, you're going to start to see that progress. And you're going to start to see that, you know, when you look back like, okay, you know, two weeks ago, I wasn't doing this, but I am at this point now, it's not where I wanted necessarily to be, but you're laying that groundwork. And then eventually it starts to snowball and you start to see that progress going on. Um, that's the biggest kind of thing that I see with some of the younger athletes that they're just, you know, they think, you know, they feel that, you know, when they first started working out, they were making gains, right? Like it was just really easy to make gains, but mm -hmm. you know, when you're working and you're now competing against other players that have been doing this just as long as you have, the separation is smaller, the, you know, who's better or, you know, the skill set. And same thing could be in the gym. You know, when you're looking at other people or comparing yourself to other people, you think, oh, I should be there. Um, but just keeping that mindset that you have to put in the work that you need to do every day and see that slowly snowball and build. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you were looking for that answer. It was right on the head, right on the head. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think just being really positive and being really um, kind of, you know, truthful with yourself when you're working out. Like, you know, the other thing actually, you know, as I'm saying about that being truthful, because that kind of like, when I say truthful, that, you know, working with a weight that you actually can work with, you do want to push yourself and, you know, get used to what heavier weights feel like and maybe do a couple of force reps. But, I do a lot of body weight stuff in addition to, you know, some heavy lifting and, you know, diff throughout different periodizations and different programming, but I'll do a lot of body work just so the person 
can whatever level they're at, even if it's just, you know, their goals are to be able to, you know, walk down the street without back pain or, you know, they want to, you know, sign a pro contract or something is you want to really have that connection with your body and know, you know, kind of know how your body works. Your body is your tool. You're, you know, this, we only have one body. We want to know how to really use it. So doing lighter weight, doing body weight work and really putting in that mindset that you want to feel your muscles working. You don't want to just load it with weight and have to move it. You want to feel that you can make a lightweight feel heavy. And it's a kind of a cliche thing that you hear when, you know, when you talk to people that have been working around a lot that, you know, try to make a lightweight feel heavy. But the reason or why you want to do that is because you're going to have a better connection with your muscles. And when you feel that, that's going to make you feel just inherently stronger. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to give you just a better like mindset that, all right, you know, I, I can, you just, not that I can do it now, but it's, it gives you this mindset that like, you know, I, I know my body and you just feel more athletic and more empowered. That's what I was trying to look for is you just feel more empowered. You know, if you can, um, like I said, if you're squatting and you don't have a lot of weight on the bar, but you can feel that your quads are working, you know, having that mindset that you're going to try to make this lightweight feel heavy. You're going to try to find the path of most resistance in an exercise to get the most out of it. That's when you're going to feel empowered. And that's a mindset, I believe, because there's a lot of people and myself included that would just try to push weight in hopes of getting strength and just being completely disappointed because it's not working. But when you take that step back and you make that mindset that I'm really going to dissect this and I'm really going to try to feel my muscles, feel every inch of the rep, that's when you start to see progress and you start to realize and learn like, oh, I can do this and I can engage this and I can get better action out of out of whatever movement you're doing. And that's, that's huge. And that's something that I think as a trainer and as someone who works with clients is we're always trying to impart that on somebody that they feel the motion, feel that action because, mm -hmm. you know, that's how you address some of the other things we were talking about. When you have these underdeveloped muscles, you'll start to notice and feel that you're not accessing these muscles. Um, I had a client today who's having, you know, significant back pain and just getting her to realize that she can feel her hamstrings when she's hinging from her hips and that she can keep her back straight. It was just like a light bulb went off for her and she walked out a little taller and she felt better and she had a smile on her face and it just created a better, you know, she felt empowered. And awesome. so I think that, that is a great performance enhancer. If you can tap into your body and feel empowered. Thank you. I like that answer. That was very well-rounded and exactly what I was looking for. Good. Um, I like to use my own terminology when I talk about this to my clients is I always tell them that uh, leave the ego at the door. You know, like yeah, I understand uh, you can probably right. lift a lot of stuff, but I want you to do this this way today. You know, that's more important for me to do to see you do it correctly than it is for me to see you come in here and just do something for the sake of getting it done. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you, you have a purpose for why you're doing your lifts. 
Right. You know? And exactly, exactly what you're saying. Leave that ego at the door because, you know, the weights don't matter. I've worked with, you know, really accomplished bodybuilders who tell me, you know, yeah, you know, they could easily bench, you know, they could roll out of bed and bench 300 pounds. They're just with the mass and the size they have, but they'll say, you know, I don't go over really 300 pounds when I bench because I want to feel what I'm doing. And I don't, when I load that bar up, I don't necessarily, I don't feel the muscles. I don't have a connection with it. Um, so I, I think that's such a huge concept that at whatever stage and whatever movement, even if it's not weightlifting, it's you're, you're exercising something else, you're playing a sport, really trying to dissect that movement that you're doing and get a feel for those muscles. I like that. I like that a lot. I like the uh, amount of times you brought up the mind-body connection. I always try to mention that to my clients a little bit. No, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere unless you have that. You're awesome. just spinning your wheels and you're wasting their time. Exactly. All right, man. So I feel like you brought a lot to the table and you gave everyone a lot to think about. Thank you so much for all of that. You're welcome. I really appreciate this opportunity. I was really blown away when you asked me to come on. So uh, I jumped at the chance. Oh, man, the roles could be reversed easily. I was super <laughs> excited that you said yes. I was like, hey, <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> so uh, I know you mentioned that you're pretty big on Instagram. Uh, can you tell everyone where to find you? Yes. Yeah, so my Instagram is uh, at Vitaly, like my last name, V-I-T-A-L-E underscore T2. So Vitaly T2, and it stands for Vitaly Therapy and Training because of the Again, a physical therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, kind of try to merge those and make that seamless transition from the therapeutic side right into the training. Um, and uh, that's kind of how I built, again, you know, my practice is taking someone through the whole gamut. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So before we get out of here, do you have any last parting shots for our, our listeners or even our watchers, I should say? I would just say, um, you know, going back to what we talked about, I think the biggest takeaway that I would have to say is really try to gain, like we said, gain that mind-body connection. You know, that the the athletes that I've worked with that have achieved the most success don't aren't always the ones that, and you hear this a lot, weren't always the ones that had the most talent, like weren't just gifted. They were the ones that were the hardest workers and really tried to put the time in to get to know their movement. And it sounds weird, but you want to get to know your body and how it moves. You know, if you're, if you're not an athlete, but you're walking down the street, just, just take a moment to think about like what's happening while you're walking, you know, your feet are hitting the ground. What part of your foot are you getting a big heel strike? Are you landing a little bit more flat? Um, can you feel your glutes pushing you forward when you're walking? Can you feel your, your body standing tall? Can you just try to be aware of your body, where it is, where you think it should be, and just try to be aware of your body. And that's going to go a long way to help you just have better movement in life in general and be more durable and help protect you from, from injury and overuse. Awesome. Oh, that was great. That was great. Um, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having um, me. 
Oh, always, always. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you dropped a comment and we didn't necessarily get to it during this show, understand that it may be in another screen. Um, I'll make sure that Jeff gets a note letting him know that you guys Absolutely. had questions. And uh, I'll do my best to get him back on here so he can answer them for you guys. Anybody watching or listening, feel free to direct message me through my Instagram. Um, I'll do my best to answer all and any questions. And um, I look forward to the opportunity. All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thank uh, you. Hey, no problem. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. As always, keep pushing. Greatness awaits. <laughs>